Phaedra by John Racine Translated by Robert Bruce Boswell This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Scene 1 Hippolytus Theramenus my mind is settled, dear Theramenes, and I can stay no more in lovely Trozen. In doubt that racks my soul with mortal anguish, I grow ashamed of such long idleness. Six months and more my father has been gone, and what may have befallen one so dear I know not, nor what corner of the earth hides him. And where, prince, will you look for him? Already, to content your just alarm, have I not crossed the seas on either side of Corinth? Asked if aught were known of Theseus, where Acheron is lost among the shades? Visited Elis, doubled Tanarus, and sailed into the sea that saw the fall of Icarus? Inspired with what new hope, under what favoured skies think you to trace his footsteps? Who knows if the king your father wishes the secret of his absence known? Perchance, while we are trembling for his life, the hero calmly plots some fresh intrigue, and only waits till the deluded fair— Cease, dear Theramenes. Respect the name of Theseus. Youthful errors have been left behind, and no unworthy obstacle detains him. Phaedra has long fixed a heart inconstant once, nor need she fear a rival. In seeking him I shall but do my duty, and leave a place I dare no longer see. Indeed. When, prince— did you begin to dread these peaceful haunts, so dear to happy childhood, where I have seen you oft prefer to stay, rather than meet the tumult and the pomp of Athens and the court? What danger shun you? Or shall I say, what grief? That happy time is gone, and all is changed since to these shores the god sent Phaedra. I perceive the cause of your distress. It is the queen whose sight offends you. With a stepdame's spite, she schemed your exile soon as she set eyes on you. But if her hatred is not wholly vanished, it has at least taken a milder aspect. Besides, what danger can a dying woman, one who too longs for death, bring on your head? Can Phaedra, sickening of a dire disease of which she will not speak, weary of life and of herself, form any plots against you? It is not her vain enmity, I fear. Another foe alarms Hippolytus. I fly, it must be owned, from young Aresia, the sole survivor of an impious race. What? You become her persecutor too? The gentle sister of the cruel sons of Pallas shared not in their perfidy. Why should you hate such charming innocence? I should not need to fly if it were hatred. May I, then, learn the meaning of your flight? Is this the proud Hippolytus I see, than whom there breathe no fiercer foe to love, and to that yoke which Theseus has so oft endured? And can it be that Venus, scorned so long, will justify your sire at last? Has she, then, setting you with other mortals, force e'en Hippolytus to offer incense before her. Can you love? Friend, ask me not. You, who have known my heart from infancy and all its feelings of disdainful pride, 
spare me the shame of disavowing all that I professed. Born of an Amazon, that wildness you wonder at I sucked with mother's milk. When come to riper age, reason approved what nature had implanted. Sincerely bound to me by zealous service, you told me then the story of my sire, and know how oft, attentive to your voice, I kindled when I heard his noble acts as you described him bringing consolation to mortals for the absence of Alcides, the highways cleared of monsters and of robbers, Procustes, Circeon, Scyro, Sinus slain, the Epidarian giant's bones dispersed, Crete reeking with the blood of Minotaur, but when you told me of less glorious deeds, troth plighted here and there and everywhere, young Helen stolen from her home at Sparta, and Perabea's tears in Salamis, and many another trusting heart deceived whose very names have scaped his memory, forsaken Ariadne on the rocks, complaining. Last, this Phaedra, bound to him by better ties, you know with what regret I heard and urged you to cut short the tale. Happy had I been to erase from my remembrance that unworthy part of such a splendid record. I, in turn, am I too made the slave of love, and brought to stoop so low? The more contemptible that no renown is mine as such exalts the name of Theseus, no monster's quells have given me a right to share his weakness, and if my pride of heart must needs be humbled, Aresia should have been the last to tame it. Was I beside myself to have forgotten eternal barriers of separation between us? By my father's stern command, her brethren's blood must ne'er be reinforced by sons of hers. He dreads a single shoot from stock so guilty, and would fain with her bury their name, that even to the tomb, content to be his ward, for her no touch of hymen may be lit. Shall I espouse her rights against my sire, rashly provoke his wrath, and launch upon a mad career? The gods, dear prince, if once your hour is come, care little for the reasons that should guide us. Wishing to shut your eyes, Theseus unseals them. His hatred, stirring a rebellious flame within you, lends his enemy new charms. And, after all, why should a guiltless passion alarm you? Dare you not essay its sweetness, but follow rather a fastidious scruple? Fear you to stray where Hercules has wandered? What heart so stout that Venus has not vanquished? Where would you be yourself, so long her foe, had your own mother, constant in her scorn of love, ne'er glowed with tenderness for Theseus? What boots it to affect a pride you feel not? Confess it. All is changed. For some time past, you have been seldom seen with wild delight urging the rapid car along the strand, or, skilful in the art that Neptune taught, making the unbroken steed obey the bit. Less often have the woods returned our shouts. A secret burden on your spirit's cast has dimmed your eye. How can I doubt you love? Vainly would you conceal the fatal wound. Has not the fair Arisia touched your heart. Theramenes, I go to find my father. Will you not see the queen before you start, my prince? That is my purpose, you can tell her. Yes, I will see her, duty bids me to do it. But what new ill vexes her dear Ononi? Scene 2 Hippolytus, Anoni, 
Theramenes. Alas, my lord, what grief was e'er like mine? The queen has almost touched the gates of death. Vainly close watch I keep by day and night. E'en in my arms a secret malady slays her, and all her senses are disordered. Weary yet restless from her couch she rises, pants for the outer air, but bids me see that no one on her misery intrudes. She comes. Enough. She shall not be disturbed nor confronted with a face she hates. Scene 3. Phaedra. Anoni. We have gone far enough. Stay, dear Anoni. Strength fails me, and I needs must rest a while. Oh, my eyes are dazzled with this glaring light so long unseen. My trembling knees refuse support. Oh, me! Would heaven that our tears might bring relief! Oh, how these cumbrous gods, these veils oppress me! What officious hand has tied these knots, and gathered o'er my brow these clustering coils? How all conspires to add to my distress! What is one moment wished, the next is irksome. Did you not just now, sick of inaction, bid us deck you out, and with your former energy recalled, desire to go abroad, and see the light of day once more? You see it, and would fain be hidden from the sunshine that you sought. Thou glorious author of a hapless race, whose daughter t'was my mother's boast to be, who well mayst blush to see me in such plight, for the last time I come to look on thee, O son. What? Still are you in love with death? Shall I ne'er see you, reconciled to life, forego these cruel accents of despair? Would I were seated in the forest's shade, when may I follow with delighted eye through glorious dust flying in full career? A chariot! Madam? Have I lost my senses? What said I? And where am I? Whither stray vain wishes? Oh, the gods have made me mad! I blush, Ononi, and confusion covers my face— for I have let you see too clearly the shame of grief that in my own despite o'erflows these eyes of mine. If you must blush, blush at a silence that inflames your woes, resisting all my care, deaf to my voice, will you have no compassion on yourself, but let your life be ended in mid-course? What evil spell has drained its fountain dry? Thrice have the shades of night obscured the heavens, since sleep has entered through your eyes, and thrice the dawn has chased the darkness thence, since food passed your wan lips, and you are faint and languid. To what dread purpose is your heart inclined? How dare you make attempts upon your life, and so offend the gods who gave it you, prove false to Theseus and your marriage vows, ay, and betray your most unhappy children, bending their necks yourself beneath the yoke? That day, be sure, which robs them of their mother." will give high hopes back to the stranger's son, to that proud enemy of you and yours, to whom an Amazon gave birth, I mean Hippolytus. Ye gods! Ah, this reproach moves you. Unhappy woman! To what name gave your mouth utterance? Your wrath is just. Tis well that that ill-omened name can rouse such rage. Then live. Let love and duty urge their claims. Live. Suffer not this son of Scythia. "'crushing your children neath his odious sway, "'to rule the noble offspring of the gods, "'the purest blood of Greece. 
Make no delay. Each moment threatens death. Quickly restore your shattered strength, while yet the torch of life holds out and can be fanned into a flame. Too long have I endured its guilt and shame. Why? What remorse gnaws at your heart? What crime can have disturbed you thus? Your hands are not polluted with the blood of innocence. Thanks be to heaven, my hands are free from stain. Would that my soul were innocent as they. What awful project have you then conceived, whereat your conscience should be still alarmed? Have I not said enough? Spare me the rest. I die to save myself a full confession. Die, then, and keep a silence so inhuman, but seek some other hand to close your eyes. Though but a spark of life remains within you, my soul shall go before you to the shades. A thousand roads are always open thither. Pained at your want of confidence, I'll choose the shortest. Cruel one, when has my faith deceived you? Think how in my arms you lay new-born. For you, my country, and my children I have forsaken. Do you thus repay my faithful service? What do you expect from words so bitter? Were I to break silence, horror would freeze your blood. What can you say to horrify me more than to behold you die before my eyes? When you shall know my crime, my death will follow none the less, but with the added stain of guilt. Dear madam, by all the tears that I have shed for you, by these weak knees I clasp, relieve my mind from torturing doubt. It is your wish. Then rise. I hear you. Speak. Oh, heavens! How shall I begin? Dismiss vain fears. You wound me with distrust. Oh, fatal animosity of Venus! Into what wild distractions did she cast my mother? Be they blotted from remembrance, and for all time to come buried in silence. My sister Ariadne, by what love were you betrayed to death on lonely shores forsaken? Madam, what deep-seated pain prompts these reproaches against all your kin? It is the will of Venus, and I perish, last, most unhappy of a family where all were wretched. Do you love? I feel all its mad fever. Ah, for whom? Here now, the crowning horror. Yes, I love— my lips tremble to say his name. Whom? Know you him, son of the Amazon, whom I've oppressed so long. Hippolytus, great gods! Tis you have named him. All my blood within my veins seems frozen. O oh, despair, O oh, cursed race, ill-omened journey, land of misery, why did we ever reach thy dangerous shores? My wound is not so recent. Scarcely had I been bound to Theseus by the marriage yoke, and happiness and peace seemed well secured, when Athens showed me my proud enemy. I looked, alternately turned pale and blushed to see him, and my soul grew all distraught. A mist obscured my vision, and my voice faltered, my blood ran cold, then burned like fire— Venus I felt in all my fevered frame, whose fury had so many of my race pursued. With fervent vows I sought to shun her torments, built and decked for her a shrine. 
and there mid countless victims did I seek the reason I had lost. But all for naught! No remedy could cure the wounds of love. In vain I offered incense on her altars. When I invoked her name, my heart adored Hippolytus, before me constantly. And when I made her altars smoke with victims, "'Twas for a god whose name I dared not utter. "'I fled his presence everywhere, but found him, oh, "'crowning horror, in his father's features. "'Against myself at last I raised revolt, "'and stirred my courage up to persecute the enemy I loved. "'To banish him I wore a stepdame's harsh and jealous carriage, with ceaseless cries I clamoured for his exile, till I had torn him from his father's arms. I breathed once more, Ononi. In his absence my days flowed on less troubled than before, and innocent. Submissive to my husband, I hid my grief, and of our fatal marriage cherished the fruits. Vain caution! Cruel fate! Brought hither by my spouse himself, I saw again the enemy whom I had banished, and the old wound too quickly bled afresh. No longer is it love hid in my heart, but Venus in her might seizing her prey. I have conceived just terror for my crime. I hate my life, and hold my love in horror." Dying, I wished to keep my fame unsullied, and bury in the grave a guilty passion. But I have been unable to withstand tears and entreaties. I have told you all. Content, if only, as my end draws near, you do not vex me with unjust reproaches, nor with vain effort seek to snatch from death the last faint lingering sparks of vital breath. Scene 4 Phaedra, Anoni, Panop. Fain would I hide from you tidings so sad, but tis my duty, madam, to reveal them. The hand of death has seized your peerless husband, and you are last to hear of this disaster. What say you, Panope? The queen, deceived by vain trust in heaven, begs safe return for Theseus, while Hippolytus, his son, learns of his death from vessels that are now in port. Ye gods! Divided counsels sway the choice of Athens. Some would have the prince your child for master. Others, disregarding the laws, dare to support the stranger's son. Tis even said that a presumptuous faction would crown Aresia and the house of Pallas. I deemed it right to warn you of this danger. Hippolytus already is prepared to start, and should he show himself at Athens, tis to be feared the fickle crowd will all follow his lead. Enough. The queen who hears you by no means will neglect this timely warning. Scene 5 Phaedra Anoni Dear lady, I had almost ceased to urge the wish that you should live, thinking to follow my mistress to the tomb, from which my voice had failed to turn you. But this new misfortune alters the aspect of affairs, and prompts fresh measures. Madam, Theseus is no more. You must supply his place. He leaves a son— a slave if you should die, but if you live, a king. On whom has he to lean but you? 
no hand but yours will dry his tears. Then live for him, or else the tears of innocence will move the gods, his ancestors, to wrath against his mother. Live! Your guilt is gone! No blame attaches to your passion now. The king's decease has freed you from the bonds that made the crime and horror of your love. Hippolytus no longer need be dreaded. Him you may see henceforth without reproach. It may be that, convinced of your aversion, he means to head the rebels. Undeceive him, soften his callous heart, and bend his pride. King of this fertile land, in Trozen here, his portion lies. But as he knows, the laws give to your son the ramparts that Minerva built and protects. A common enemy threatens you both. Unite them. To oppose Aresia. To your counsel I consent. Yes, I will live, if life can be restored, if my affection for a son has power to rouse my sinking heart at such a dangerous hour.